Check out, check, check out my microphone. Check out my microphone, check out. Do you know what that's from? I know it, but I can't think of check, how I know it. Check out, check, check out my microphone. It's Limp Biscuit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I loved Limp Biscuit. I did too. I would Three like. Three dollar bill, y'all. The, uh, what's the one? It's my way, my way or the highway. I mean, I, when I was mad at somebody, that was like driving in my car, turn that shit up and be like, it's my way. Break your fucking face tonight. <laughs> Give me something to break. Yeah. How about your fucking face? See, that is like awesome gym music to me. It sounds very, uh, now that I'm like older, I'm like, oh, that sounds very angry. I like angry. Oh. <laughs> Apparently it's just a little too drunk already. Apparently I put too much ice in it. I'm going to be jingle jangling all the way here. For Christmas. Mm-hmm. You're jingle jangling. And uh, we're drinking some Tito's today. So who knows what will happen when we drink hard alcohol. I usually swear a lot. <laughs> and we really go off on tangents. So... Yeah, usually we have champagne. I'm having a screwdriver. I'm having my little summer drink that I raved about previously with the mm-hmm. Lemoncello LaCroix. Feeling the OJ. This is, uh oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is Blonde Moments Podcast. My name is Melinda Collins. And I'm Gina Vogie. And I think we're going to really try to make this a true crime one today. <laughs> I I hope so. You know, our last episode, we had a lot of fun, though. You know, we so. did. I'm like, why stop this roller coaster that we're on? And I said pussy a lot the last episode, too. Yes, but not as much as the one before. Because <laughs> honestly, when I was editing, I even took a few out because I I was like, oh, my Lord. I like to talk about pussy. I think you need to get that tattooed on your body somewhere. Oh, dear God, no. I'd have to get it removed. And no, why would you get it removed? This is a good thing. You talk about it all the time. Instead of saying it, you can just like get it on your wrist and you can go pussy. Speaking of my tattoo removal, though, one of our listeners, Lindsay, sent in she had to get a tattoo removed and she said it was also a star. Ugh, I feel your pain, girl. I feel your pain on this. She said it was very tiny on her middle finger. Stupid. Yeah, me too. Same. Anyways, I had several treatments done without success. I don't know about the color of yours, but mine was blue with a black outline and colors like that are very hard to get rid of. Yeah. Mine was black with a blue undertone, so. You feel her. I do. I I feel you. I was newly engaged and eager to get rid of it before my wedding day. I am lucky enough to work in a dermatology office with awesome doctors. One volunteered to just cut it out and stitch me up. I don't know if you have thought about this. Maybe you could look around, possibly consult a plastic surgeon. So this is interesting to me. I think yours is a pretty big spot, though. Like a finger wouldn't be that much. Right. Like I've seen on Real Housewives, one of the women had... I think it was her husband's name or maybe it was a wedding ring sort of thing that was tattooed and she just had it cut off. But like where yours is, that's a pretty big patch of skin. Well, and I wonder though, like mine, where they remove it, would they just remove the outline? So then you'd have a skin tattoo. You'd look like you were branded after. It's still a scar of a I don't star. Know. I'm going to look into it. Maybe this will be an easier solution. You are already know. into it now. Just I'm only two in. Yeah. Okay. Of the 50. I mean. To me, they don't look much different either. Trust the process. Do you want to see them? I'm okay. <laughs> Unless I'm getting to see more. Well, you kind of can't help but see my part of my vag. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I get daily Snapchat uh, updates from you. I did Snapchat you them. So if some of my vagina was in there. You're welcome. Well, not really. It was like your Mons Pubis. <laughs> I still love that name, Mons Pubis. It's funny because I don't use Snapchat at all. You're my only friend. I don't even add anybody else. I did it for you. Well, thank you because I like to send you my Mons Pubis. Yes. And I appreciated your Mons Pubis. Pubis. You. you called it pubis. That's I just right. like the way that sounds better. Mons pubis. I just think of Pumbaa from The Lion King. Timon and Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. I stumbled across this really crazy article from Mental Floss. Cornflakes were part of an anti-masturbation crusade. What? Never heard this before. 
Cornflakes? Cornflakes. So hmm. this article says in the 18th and 19th centuries, the Western world worked itself up into a mass hissy fit over the idea of people touching themselves. No masturbation allowed. They were damning masturbation as a misuse of sexuality for ages. And I mean, there's books written about it, all this stuff. Well. Well, that's a shame. It's it's kind of interesting, though, that you could tr- think you can control what people do in the privacy of their own home. Right. And, and somebody could just lie and be like, no, I don't do that. <laughs> It says, in the young United States, one of the loudest anti-masturbation voices was a Michigan physician named John Harvey Kellogg. The good doctor was a bit uncomfortable about sex, thinking it was detrimental to physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. He personally abstained from it and never consummated his marriage. What? he? It says he may have actually spent his honeymoon working on one of his anti-sex books. You know what I think is it probably is? He probably uh, is gay and he probably didn't want to be married to yeah. a woman. But then, you know, back in this time too, it was wrong to be considered gay. To me, there's something more going on with this. Mm-hmm. Because if you're that obsessed with the idea of people not masturbating, like who cares? He's, I mean, his hands were probably hairy. Like oh, super hairy. Sure. Like there was something <laughs> mental going on here. Well, the, or, or he just wasn't able to have the kind of sex that he wanted. So he tried to make everybody else, it look bad to everybody else. Right. It even says that him and his wife kept separate bedrooms and they adopted all of their children. But he thought that sex with your wife mm-hmm. was bad, but masturbation was even worse. The devil. It's a heinous sin. Self-pollution is a crime. I mean, this guy was like all all out on it. He had said that Kellogg's was a healthy diet and he thought meat and certain flavorful or seasoned foods increased sexual desire and that plainer food, especially cereals and nuts, could curb it. So he invented cornflakes <laughs> to try to make people not masturbate. He created a healthy treat for the patients that consisted of oatmeal and cornmeal baked into biscuits and then ground into tiny pieces. He called it granula, blah, 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 blah. Then he changed the name to granola, which is funny too. Knew I never liked Special K for a reason. <laughs> it gets soggy too quick. It is. It's weird though. Like you think you're going to be able to control somebody's sexual desires with cereal? As long as it's consensual sex between two people and it's a loving act and it's something, especially with like your husband or wife or whatever, it's very therapeutic and very loving and, and brings right. out a lot of really good emotions. There's nothing bad or uh, negative about that. Like crying? I guess, like crying. It says later he developed a few different flaked grain breakfast cereals, including including cornflakes, as healthy, ready-to-eat, anti-masturbatory morning meals. He partnered with his brother, Will, to make and sell them to the public. His brother wanted to add sugar to the flakes to make them more tasty, but John wouldn't hear of it. Touch your penis if you have sugar in there. Might want to rub the clit. Tickle the taco. (laughs) Some cornflakes. Not if, if you put sugar on there. Uh, there's a little bit more. I won't bore you too much with everything. But it says Kellogg also supported more extreme measures for people with particularly nasty masturbation habits. For boys, he suggested threading silver wire. Okay, men, this is going to hurt to hear. Ugh. Silver wire through the foreskin to prevent erections and cause irritation. Ew. For girls, he advocated and sometimes employed an application of carbolic acid to the clitoris <gasps> to burn it and discourage touching it. This guy oh my is the devil. This guy is a serial killer. And he, this is how he went about his life instead of actually killing people. This is what he did instead. Because he must have just been unhappy in his own skin and just wanted to make everybody else miserable. Yeah, oh, man. And especially, I will never buy another Kellogg product as long as I live. Well, I, I don't think that's the solution. I'm sure this guy is dead. I don't that's... buy them anyway, so it'll be easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then you're good. I mean, I guess it would help because after like a big meal, I don't feel like sex or masturbating. You feel like taking a nap. So maybe he's onto something there. Right. And I don't know anyone who after they masturbates feels anything but bliss. Well, sometimes you can feel guilt, remember? We talked about this in the last episode. Yeah, but only if it's like a weird masturbation. Uh, I don't know about all that. Not like a normal one. Sometimes it's just like, what are you doing with your life? 
This is what my life has come to. Maybe you just need a little release. Maybe you've had a lot of stress (laughs) and you just need a little release. And then you're like, "Ah, I don't feel so stressed anymore. Well, I'll tell you what. It's never made me want to put acid on my clitoris. So we're good. Yeah, no. What a demented man. Mm -hmm. So you're welcome for that little story. That is traumatizing and i'm glad this man is not around anymore well speaking of fun articles i have a little fun one to share and this was sent in uh, by one of our listeners lisa and she said so since you like grimace from mcdonald's my friend and i years ago always wondered what grimace was and we looked it up and it's a wumpus so she's (laughs) more like a what is so she sent this little article and this article kind of sent me down a rabbit hole so I like stuff like that. I will read her article she sent me first. Okay, so the article says, Grimace, I guess he likes shakes. Or are they called partially gelatinated non-dairy gum-based beverages? Wow. (laughs) But what is he? To me, he always looked like a ginormous gumdrop. Gumdrop, yeah. According to Wikipedia, he's a member of the wumpus species with short arms and legs, which begs the question, what's a wumpus? I mean, there must have been some thought process behind the original design. So I looked it up and it turns out Grimace was not always good, nor did he only always have two arms. Here's visual proof, dot, dot. And so that's where she just sent a picture of this. There was no more to the article. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need more. So of course, I go to the good old interwebs. Because that's what we do when we need more information. I found this article. McDonald's original Grimace mascot terrified kids and was a total failure. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have big pointy sharp teeth? No, but he does not look friendly at all. It's about Grimace, one of McDonald's mascots. The big purple blob wasn't always lovable. In fact, the original iteration was terrifying. The character was called Evil Grimace and he had an obsession with stealing milkshakes. Instead of luring kids into stores, Evil Grimace scared them away. I mean, yeah, you don't want him to steal your milkshake as right. a kid, right? That's the like your treat. That's what you eat other your other food for is for right. dessert. No, Evil Grimace. Yeah. It's my milkshake. <laughs> Fortunately, the marketing crew at McDonald's quickly realized their mistake and tweaked the character into what he is today. This is what he originally looked like. And I still don't know what a wumpus is. Maybe when I have time, I'll you know, Google more into that. He kind of looks like, what was the uh, Star Wars character that your sister was enslaved by? Jar Jar, or no, not Jar Jar Binks. Um, Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt, yeah. So he kind of looks like Jabba the Hutt with four arms full of milkshakes. Because <laughs> he stole them all. So maybe it's a cross between a wombat and a gumdrop. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> The original Grimace was scaly, mean-looking, had four arms, and had no charm whatsoever. He scared kids. So they changed him to a soft, plush, two-armed blob of a sweetheart who only wanted McDonald's milkshakes and to hang out with Ronald. Make out with him. (laughs) Like that one kid on the bench. Well, then, then, I don't know how the interwebs led me to this article. (laughs) Uh (gasps) Uh-oh. But as the interwebs do, here I found myself with this article. Who you'd fuck in McDonald land based on your star sign. <laughs> of course. Of course there is something out there. Well, we're the same star sign. We are both a Leo, so we would fuck Birdie the early bird. Oh, we're going lesbian here. She's <laughs> cute. She's cute. She's got the pigtails. That's right. McDonaldland's resident bird is going to fly you to the moon. Unfortunately, we saw Birdie's birth in a 1980 commercial and can confirm that she hatched from an egg, which I don't remember this. They had a commercial showing her birth. Okay. What was her Birdie what? Birdie the early bird. Okay. Because that means you like the breakfast from McDonald's? (laughs) That's always my jam. Me too. An egg McMuffin is the only thing I ever get from McDonald's ever like to this day. I used to like my filet fish but... So anyways, which means Birdie doesn't technically fuck. As a bird, she most likely has a cochlea, which we which all know what that is. Which you talked about and got so excited about. <laughs> which all of her bodily excretions are released. We bet you can do something really freaky with that, though. We believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I did find the commercial. Why, inside's a wonderful egg. So they made it a nest 
out of the egg fully clothed. Why well, made me hot and bothered. <laughs> so turned on by her now because I'm a Leo and that's who I do. Well, you know you've reached a low in your life when you're reading, or not reading, when you're writing articles about which McDonald's character you, you would screw based on your star sign. That's funny. Well, you know, I'll have to save this article so we can put a link up for it. If anyone else out there would like to know, based on their star sign, what McDonald Land character you would fuck. <laughs> You're welcome. We're so full of knowledge today. One of them's a McNugget Buddy orgy. That might... <laughs> what sign is that? Aries and Aquarius. God dang it. I'm not even close enough to be considered one of those. <laughs> <laughs> have you started your Christmas shopping yet? No, I have not. Well, you are in luck. There is a game at Walmart called Flushing Frenzy. <laughs> yes. Like my one little YouTube thing, like, will it flush? <laughs> it says poop. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so what it is, is you use this plunger on this toilet till the poop pops out. Oh, <laughs> My gosh. You can see like the little pictures. There's the little turd. He's at like the, what's the top of your toilet called? Where you take the oh, thing off. the tank? The tank. Okay, so he like can pop out of the tank. Look at him go. Well, I know I what I'm getting your son for his Christmas present. Oh, boy. <laughs> it says roll the die, push the plunger, grab the poop first to win points. Oh my gosh. I was thinking about like things flushing. I cannot believe they've actually made a game about plunging shit. Yes, and it pops out of the top of the tank, which is hilarious. What but is the age he range here's on Here's a video for it. Just when you think you've heard everything. Five years and up. So nope, you can't buy it for my son. He's, he's too little. Well. He won't appreciate it. From the makers of Gas Out, it's Flush and Frenzy. Flush the handle to see how many times to plunge. Look out. You They're all oh, catching the turd that is flying in the air with their hands. I mean, they're literally catching a flying turd. <sighs> wow. <laughs> That's not all I found. <laughs> There's another one called Fishing for Floaters. <laughs> what? <laughs> you have a fishing pole and you put these turds in your bathtub and you're supposed to <laughs> finally catch them. Okay, so you're supposed to fish for the turds in your bathtub? Yep. Those look like little swirly piles of turd, right? Uh, there's there's all different kinds. There's like the ones that look like a poop emoji, and there's also like the long stick like turd leg. Now, you can find this at Walmart for $12.94, but unfortunately, it's out of stock. Oh, darn. <laughs> but you can get a get in stock alert in case you want. What's even more disturbing to me is that there are so many people that have bought this game that it's out of stock. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so we're not the only... I mean, people are probably making millions of dollars on these poop games. Why didn't we think of something like this? As much as we talk about shit... Again, we're just too smart, I think. Like, we have to start dumbing ourselves down. I mean... <laughs> but the... the Somebody somewhere one night was like, you know what? I wish I could catch a flying turd. And we're going to make a game like that. <laughs> or maybe it was like a real situation that happened. We're like, mama stuck the toilet again. And you get out the plunger and you start plunging it. And the turd flew up and then someone caught it. So they were the winner. Uh, I don't know this like, accent. Let's but. make a game out of this. <laughs> Flush and frenzy. But it comes with a toilet, a plunger, and a big old turd. And it's like a knobby looking turd too. Like it's, they I mean, they were eating, it looks like a crunch bar almost, the turd does. It, it has a smiley face on he it. He has teeth. He has teeth. A tongue. Yeah. But those kids were so happy to catch that flying mm. turd. Mm. <laughs> so uh, you're welcome for some holiday treat ideas. 
yeah, I'm disturbed on so many levels right now. And for me to be disturbed, it takes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to keep you from buying it, right? Uh, no, I'll still buy it. Fuck it. Yeah. We still, we'll buy it and play it. We still haven't played Keeping, Keeping it, it Sexy. sexy. That's going to be a good holiday game mm-hmm. to play. Some nice red wine. Yeah. Some jazz in the background. A roaring fire. Yeah. Oh, I can see it. <laughs> I love it. So I have some terrifying news about a topic we touched on last week. More than Grimace's original take? More than Grimace, more than what McDonald Land <sighs> character you're fucking based on your sign. Remember how we talked about dog's mouth being cleaner than humans? Yes. yes. And I was like, you know, I've never fact checked it. So basically, most of the articles I read said that that was bullshit. Okay. The dog's mouths are not cleaner than humans. So how did how did we get that saying? Like, how did that arise? Because there was some man who would let his dog lick the inside of his mouth and he told his kids mind your own business a dog's mouth is cleaner so nobody would give him shit about it here's what we are going to learn by the time i read the end of this article is that mouths of any kind can be just really fucking disgusting human animal whatever now some are probably some mouths are cleaner than others Mm -hmm. right Yes. Do you brush your dog's teeth? Do you not? The one that's brushed, I'm going to argue, is probably cleaner than the one that's not, right? Yes. So this article I came across, how dog and cat kisses can turn deadly. Whoa. When Julie McKenna arrived in the hospital in Mid-Dora, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Australia in 2007, she could barely speak. Her arms and legs were cold and mottled and her face was turning purple. Doctors quickly determined that Julie was in septic shock. Bacteria in her bloodstream was attacking her from within. Even after starting on antibiotics, the purple kept spreading and her organs began to fail. Eventually, part of her arms and legs begin turning black. Ugh. She had been hospitalized for more than two weeks before doctors were able to identify the bacteria in her blood. It was Captinocytophaga carnivorosus. I'm totally fucking that up for sure. A bug commonly found in the saliva of healthy dogs and cats. Julie- Not even like unhealthy. So this is this could be your perfectly happy, healthy pup. Yes. Okay. Only then did Julie remember that she had scalded the top of her foot in a hot water a few weeks before she got sick. It wasn't a bad burn, and she hadn't thought much of it when her fox terrier puppy licked the wound. Like Julie, most of us don't really know what's swimming around in our pet's saliva or how dangerous it can be. Mm -hmm. Our skin and immune systems normally stand between us and our pet's germs, but those systems can be breached. So obviously, because she had a wound that her dog was licking, I'd imagine that's how it was breached. About 10 to 15% of dog bites become infected, as do up to half of cat bites. Sometimes the consequences are deadly. Wow. We worked with a girl who whose cat attacked her when she tried to give the cat a bath. Do you remember that? No. This cat, like, tore her arm up. It was so bad, and the wounds looked so bad for so long. That's terrible. I'm not <sighs> surprised if the... Bites are bad, and but I mean, just your dog even licking you with an open wound—that's kind of scary. Yeah, What's not that, that I'd let my dog lick a, burn? a wound. Yeah, I would be all set. I don't even like my dog licking me in general. When he tries to lick me, I'm like, no lick, no licks. Like I don't like it. So, but it says in a puppy's mouth, see cart canamorosis, I can't pronounce it, is no big deal. At least a quarter of all dogs and many cats carry them. Humans normally don't. And once the bacteria got into Julie's bloodstream, her body struggled to fight off the infections. Antibiotics eventually turned the tide, but doctors had to amputate her left leg below the knee. Holy shit. Part of her right foot and every one of her fingers and toes. Oh my God. Did She was in the hospital for two weeks. Did it say how long she had waited before she went into it didn't but i imagine she had waited a while because if she was already in sepsis and like yeah it was that bad i imagine she probably did oh yeah because she when she got to the hospital she was already purple and mottled yeah and, mm-hmm. so i'd imagine she probably, she waited, probably waited a while but fuck to lose your like your limbs and fingers and oh my god well i did not know that that even was a possibility so now you're even more freaked out about Dexter kissing you. Oh, I already don't let him lick me now and be like, yeah, I could lose <laughs> I could lose a finger. <laughs> Back it off. 
Oh, man. Well, we've given you guys some really valuable information today. Aren't you all smarter? Yes, you should be. I just think that's so terrifying. It is. It really is. Yeah. I went from fact checking that, you know, if a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's to this article popping up, I was like, what the fuck? And I mean, you would like, I know there's certain dogs, especially in cats too, that they eat their own feces. So, I mean, my dog is like the pickiest eater. It's insane. Like, I have to microwave his food in order for him to eat it. Like he's very picky. So I would be willing to say he's probably has a cleaner mouth than some humans do. Right. Dexter eats shit. So not Dexter. <laughs> oh my God. Not my dog. I think that usually means they're lacking some nutrient, isn't it? No, we we the one time I saw it happen, we were at the dog park, and I think it was oh, just another dog. Maybe there was some corn in the turds. Because not only did he eat some of it, but he rolled in it as well too. It was so freaking disgusting. Oh, yeah. So at I least, don't know. If at it least was another... your dog has short hair though, too, like yeah. to be able to clean that easier. Oh, it was awful. So I don't even I don't even know if it was other dog turd. I don't know if it was just another it was just another animal turd, sure. maybe. Yeah, my dog's nasty, so <laughs> you nasty. <laughs> he licks his own balls all See, the time. See, my dog like... doesn't even clean his like butt or his own privates. It's very oh, interesting. But I bathe will... him weekly, so Ugh. Dexter will do it for like five minutes and it sounds disgusting and I yell at him. I'm like, stop it. It's like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, knock it off. <laughs> Stop licking your balls, dog. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to keep us on track today and give the people the true crime that they want. Wow. I thought maybe we'd go on another tangent. Okay, I could be fine with that. You could convince me of that. Oh, we got to go to true crime. (laughs) So who I covered this week, it was sent in by a listener story directly to me, so I'm going to read this. Dear Melinda, I just wanted to say thank you and Gina both for having such a fun podcast. Your podcast makes me feel like it's okay to be who I am regardless of stereotypes and to be able to be who I am sexually, which rock on. Yes, that is the goal. It's nice to find a podcast where women can talk openly and be real have fun at each other's expense and still love each other which we do because we give each other so much shit i would do anything for this girl oh me too (laughs) recently melinda you posted about if there were any true crime topics we'd want you to cover and i'm not sure if you've ever heard of rachel burkheimer but i remember this case because i grew up near the city where it took place and was around the same age as rachel i hope you cover her story again thanks for the great podcast love you girls amanda oh thanks amanda that was a really nice email so thank you yeah made me feel all the warm warm and fuzzy Mm -hmm. It is the holiday season. I love those warm and fuzzy feelings. So we're going to get warm and fuzzy and talk true crime. About true crime. Yeah, that's not warm and fuzzy. So this takes place in Everett, Washington, which isn't that far outside of Seattle. And this is the story about Rachel Berkheimer. Rachel was a very bubbly athletic woman, uh, high school age, but she was tough as nails. She would beat anybody her age when she'd play any sport. And she's beautiful. Like she was such a pretty girl and she had like the cutest voice because you can see videos and everything of her. When she grew up, she wanted to be either a veterinarian or an actress. So while Rachel is a high school student and while in school, six of her closest friends died. Six of them? Some from suicide, there was a drowning, and even an accidental shooting. Oh my gosh. After all this happened, something inside her changed, and she was obviously grieving, but then her closest friend, Corey Hain, died in a terrible car crash. People had said that Corey and Rachel were like brother and sister. This This poor girl. This is terrible. That's a lot in your high school. Yeah, a lot of loss at like that young of an age. So her shine was dulled. She was super sad and depressed. She started not enjoying life as much as she had, and she started shutting herself off from friends and family. This is sad. It is very sad. Her sister Megan tried to get her out of her dark place, but nothing seemed to help. So Rachel started getting into drugs. She dropped out of school and started hanging out with a new crowd. Oh, no. John Diggy Anderson, so his nickname's Diggy, was a new guy in Rachel's life. He was always in and out of jail, and he was even part of a gang called the Northwest Mafia. They'd steal drugs and either sell them or keep them, mostly cocaine and meth. He always had a gun with him and was known to be a very violent individual. 
One time while he was in prison, he would contact Rachel all the time by her house phone. And her dad saw the phone bill for $646 and was like, what the fuck? Because, I mean, most of the time those are collect calls or they used to to be. Say, yes, you'll accept the call. I don't know if they are anymore. I, I I don't know if they are anymore because I can't remember the last time I received a call from someone in prison. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you if they That's, were still you have still have to pay for them. The bill said the calls were from a correctional facility, and the dad was like just pissed off about it. John also started sending Rachel letters, and inside the letters. People who had read him said that he almost started seeming very possessive. Rachel's father confronted her and she stuck up for John saying that he was a good guy and that she could see the good in him and didn't care what anybody else thought about him. Over time, it started to be apparent that John was an overly jealous person. When he was out of prison, he would smell her clothes and her hair and body parts to make sure that he couldn't smell another man on her. Oh, gosh. Rachel started getting into drugs with John. She was even using meth. And her sister Megan started noticing bruises on Rachel's body. And one time, Megan even said that she was shaking her sister and telling her, like, you need to open your eyes and see the type of person that John is. Yeah, if you're ever in a relationship where somebody is sniffing you. Sniffing your body parts? Yeah. Do you remember that one song, Sniff Your Dick? No. Okay, well, we're going to take a little pause. Sniff Your Dick? Yes. I swear that's what it was called. No, I Smell have... yo dick. Smell yo it's dick. smell yo dick. Okay. I, she stands corrected. Okay, we're going to play a little bit of this here. This is by Risque. Oh. like vibing out oh, over yeah. here <laughs> she was mouthing the words smell your dick <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <sighs> of all the people in my life i would have thought you would have known this song when did this song come out one and two was it ever popular no, I don't think it's like a. I think it's like a viral song. Uh, I don't think when it was did this come out. Two thousand eight, and it's by Risque. The album is also "Smell Yo Dick." <laughs> <laughs> what else would the album title be called? Right. It's their number one hit single, "Smell Yo Dick" by Risque. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy this. It says, I'm dead sleeping. You trickin' in the club with dirty foot bitches. My girl was there and she witnessed. She had a camera phone. She took pictures. He was on the dance floor grinding with a stripper hoe named Diamond. (laughs) Let me smell your dick. (laughs) See, this is how we can never get through a true crime episode because... We are who we are. My my brain just goes off. My but mind wanders too. Back to being serious though. If you have somebody who's trying to change who you hang out with, uh, what you wear, trying if, to smell you. Yeah, because that's trust. If you don't trust your partner enough, no, there's a whole lot of issues there. So yes, on a very serious note, if somebody's showing signs of being like this, they're probably going to turn abusive. Mm-hmm. Get yourself out of there. And even if they don't hit you or hurt you and they start with themselves, usually it's going to eventually be you someday. Yes. So yes. talk to so, pe- talk to people that you trust who can help you. Yeah. Not a good scenario. Okay. So their relationship would be super hot and cold every day. <laughs> i'm sitting here listening to this story but in my head it's like 
You're going to listen to it on your way home, aren't you? <laughs> I still can't get over the fact that you don't know that song. You I, you played – oh, my God. I forgot to tell you, too. So it was my nephew's birthday. My life is forever changed. Now you're that welcome. Smell you're your so dick. welcome. <laughs> but I went by my, my sister's house, and my niece was like, oh, I have this song you have to listen to. Guess what song it was? Bitch, I'm a cow. Oh, Bitch. my and I was gosh. Like, Move. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. How does my 11-year-old niece know this song? You've heard the song twice in like however many weeks by two different people. Within, within days. Within days. So that was Monday and this was Friday. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Okay. We got to <laughs> try to get this fucking song out of my head so I can be serious now. <laughs> I'll play it for you again at the end. Should be. <laughs> so sorry. Okay. Right, so they they'd be super hot and cold every day. Would go from them being really happy to them fighting. <laughs> Do you want to see the whole I video? Need, <laughs> I just need to get out of my system. <laughs> halfway through my drink i swear i mean you were actually crying (laughs) (laughs) it's a three and a half minute song i'm gonna have to listen to the whole thing it's a gem (laughs) what i can't wait is to try this out on my husband what Oh my god! You know how I love to play pranks on my husband. Yeah, and be like, so he's s- gonna come home late one night, and you're gonna be like, "Let me smell your dick," and he's gonna be like, "What?" And then you're gonna be like, "Pull off your pants." <laughs> I wonder if he's ever heard this song. Oh my god! I I just really like the in the club with dirty foot bitches. Yeah. It's pretty freaking funny to me. Okay, <laughs> it says, "Drop them boxers. Let me smell your dick." <laughs> I don't know how I've lived hey, my life. Hey, hey, smell my dick. Wait a minute. Hold up. See, that's how a bitch get her eyes swole up. Oh, there's like a male that's rap part violent. here. And I don't give a damn what your homegirl's seen when I was in the club. What the fuck you mean? Oh, that's violent. I don't like that. All right. All right. Says <laughs> I might break bread with one or two strippers, but that don't mean you got to pull my zipper. <laughs> I, I don't know if I trust you. I'm not going to repeat that sentence again. I have to be ready. We're never going to get through our true crime. I still have my story. I have to get myself together here. Pull it together. Okay. One day, Rachel confided in her sister Megan about how she was scared of John and his threats. So then Rachel eventually cut off the relationship with John, and she started rekindling her relationship with her family. She started going to church again. And one day, she told her dad that she had met a guy named Maurice. Maurice Rivas was a member of the same gang as John Anderson, which... Which means they probably knew each other, too. For sure they knew each other. Which, to me, already isn't a good thing. It's never a good thing to date. Well, I don't even think she was dating him. I think she just developed, like, a close friendship with Maurice. And that's never a good thing either, especially if you have a jealous ex. Yeah. it's You're, like, putting more fuel on the fire for both yourself and the guy uh, that you're talking to, even if it's just a friendship. Because no guy is going to believe that it's just a friendship. So, especially a a possessive one. Maurice was 18 years old and he lived in a foster home. Maurice and Rachel bonded over him getting out of the gang. Both wanted to go back to school and graduate. Even though Rachel was trying to get her life in order with her new buddy Maurice, she just couldn't get over John. They ended up rekindling a romance and it seemed to be an on and off again, multiple time relationship, which honestly, if you're doing that too, it's never going to work out. No. In my opinion. Did it say he was in prison this whole time still? Or? No, he got he got out. He got out. That's okay. when he started asking to smell her and everything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. One of the times Rachel was not seeing John, she started seeing one of John's best friends. What is wrong with this girl why can't she get out of because she knows what she's she knew what she was doing i'm assuming this is to make him jealous and right i mean you never go within the same group of certain no it's already making me 
feel scared for her. She was thinking nothing of this. She said she was just having fun and wanted nothing more than to party and have everyone around her having fun too. John, over time, became convinced that Rachel was passing along gang secrets to her other friends and also some of the gang's rivals. Rachel becomes in immediate danger. They had put a hit out on her. Oh, no. When she found out this information, she went to her sister Megan and asked for advice. And Megan was like, you have to be aware, be cautious, stay away from John. I don't think she really knew enough what to do. But Megan was like, this threat can't be severe because is John, even though like he's kind of a, you know, a drug dealer, kind of bad guy, is he really even capable of murder? When Rachel left Megan's room, she said that she got concerned because what if he really would do something though? And I'm sorry, if a, if he's a member of a gang... Obviously, he's capable of some shit that you probably don't. You probably only have scratched the surface on the stuff that you know, right? You I mean, always trust your gut too. Uh, she tried to put that out of her head and um, continue on. So in September, Rachel went to a party that had several members of the Northwest Mafia gang. She felt safe and thought that she was going to be okay because her friend Maurice was there. At the party, she wanted to prove to the gang that she had not betrayed them. She thought she could talk her way out of the situation. So she's having fun, smoking pot, and when John gets there, he got mad because everyone was just having fun with Rachel. Like, he had put this hit out on her, and everybody's, like, laughing, having a good time. So he went and smacked a couple of guys in the face, and then that confrontation escalated, and some of the gang members drew their guns. Rachel got super frightened and started to leave, and then John grabbed her by the hair, hit her in the face, and knocked her to the floor. She was kicked in the head repeatedly. Someone turned up the radio so it would drown out her screams. They drug her to the garage and gagged her and taped her mouth shut and tied her up. The gang had had discussions about what to do with her. Someone had mentioned rape. Someone said they could ask her family for ransom. But they went and ordered pizza, played video games, and got high while she was... Out in the garage, tied up. Oh my gosh. Trisha Connor, who was the owner of the home, showed up. She had also dated one of the gang leaders. She went into the garage and saw Rachel. She went into the kitchen to go get a knife to cut her loose, but John stopped her in her tracks. She started screaming that she would call the cops and to get Rachel out of her garage. They shoved Rachel into a duffel bag and put her into the back of a Jeep. This this shit to me is just horrifying. Horrible. They were contemplating letting her go after staying in a hotel. Maurice included, they drove to the mountains. They decided John needed to be the one to deal with Rachel and that they were going to kill her. Some of the members, including John, leave to go get shovels and other supplies. Maurice was ordered to stay with Rachel and watch her. So this was her buddy. Rachel was left alone with Maurice. She told him she knew she was going to die, and she begged them if they were going to kill her just to not drown her. When the others return, which I just think is crazy, Maurice could have set her loose and they could have ran off. Yeah, especially if that was her buddy. But I guess then he would be in big trouble too. I mean, they would kill him, too, if he let her go. It's, it's sad to me. Yes. So the others return, and they take Rachel, who was still inside of the duffel bag, out of the Jeep, and John hits the side of the duffel bag. Then they open the bag a little bit and let her see them digging her grave. Oh, my God. They start removing her clothes, and she insisted that she would do it herself. They took her jewelry, and she begged to keep a ring that was given to her by her friend Cody, who had died in the car crash. John's like, hell no, you're not getting anything. They made her get into the grave face down. She got on her knees and started to pray. John said, don't worry, you will be up there with him soon. And this next part gets a little graphic. John started shooting her in the back and in the back of her head. The gun jammed, and then once it was okay again, he emptied the clip inside of her. Oh, my God. Rachel went missing for days. Her parents pled for help to the media. They put up posters and pictures all over the place. But a break comes in when a mother of one of the gang members called authorities. This tip led to a red Jeep registered to Matthew Durham. Matthew Durham's vehicle was used to take everyone to the mountains. Matthew was brought in for questioning, and he stood his ground. But when the detective said, can you bring Rachel home? He said, I did some things I didn't want to be involved in. He brought detectives to the area where Rachel had been murdered. Authorities get to the scene and took a shovel and were able to find human flesh. So 10 days Rachel had been missing, and they finally found her body. Her parents were devastated. 
Matthew Durham told police who had been there that night and detectives go to the duplex where the party had been. They had found bullets at the gravesite, her jewelry, a gun found in a pond, and the shovel were all recovered. There was a lot of planning that the gang members had done. So the whole fight and argument that happened at the party was all a setup. Wow. Five of the members took plea deals and the those five turned on three members of the gang. John Anderson, who killed Rachel... John Whitaker, who made the grave, and Yusuf Jahid, who had helped mastermind this plan. Rachel's father was able to give a victim statement, but John was super smug during the trial. He would turn around and look at them. He'd laugh. He'd wink at Rachel's family. And Ew. It, just gross. Megan, what a fucking disgusting human being. Megan, who's Rachel's sister, looked like a lot like Rachel, and Megan even said that she wanted Rachel's murderers to see her and think of Rachel. John Anderson and John Whitaker both got life in prison. Yusuf got 37 years. Maurice was interviewed and said it was senseless and it didn't need to happen, but he was scared and he called himself a coward. Rachel's father says in her gravesite photo from the scene of the murder, because he was able to see the, f- the photo, he said he could see her hands had been in a prayer position and that gave him peace. Oh my God, that's awful. That's a terrible one. That's a tough one. <sighs> yeah, it is. And, you know, just thinking of like a high school student and, I mean, my really good friend in high school, she dropped out of school, really got into drugs, and it's just scary to think of like what could have happened. Could happened yeah, because usually when it's scenarios like that, there's not really good outcomes. Mm-mm. So I'm just sad about it because I honestly, when I first was reading it, I thought it was going to be a survivor story. You know, yeah. like something good had happened. Was, I was hoping. Yeah, especially because be her friend Maurice was the person who was left in the woods with her. And then the one girl came home and tried to cut her down. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was scenarios that happened where she could have, you know, potentially gotten out of it. Yes. Ooh, that is a heavy, tough one. That is awful. Mm -hmm. When did this happen? What year? It happened in 2002. But I mean, it's just so sad to me just to think, you know, she really kind of had the world by the ass. Like she was a beautiful girl. She was good at sports. She had like a great personality. And to think like you just get involved with the wrong crowd and this happens, but that's what she looks like. Oh, yeah. She's beautiful. And her sister Megan is beautiful, too. And just it's just not that if you're not beautiful you shouldn't be no you know but it's just like she really had the whole her whole life in front of her and it's just sad that you can make a stupid decision that ultimately cost her her life so sad to me too that she just like knew she was gonna die like yeah she still had to have been so scared and just that's awful like i can't even imagine how her parents feel too. something you never get over Right. My story took place in 2002 as well. Interesting. In Jacksonville, Florida. We keep doing that. We do. And we don't even know. We just, great minds truly do think alike. We're so good. We're so connected. (laughs) Cassie's like, here we go. I'm talking about how cool they are again. (laughs) This was in Jacksonville, Florida, August 17th. My birthday. It is your birthday, but just in 2002. Yeah. You were how old? I don't know. I can't do math in my head like that. 19. April and Justin Barber were celebrating their third wedding anniversary, and April was about to finish her training as a radiology technician. She wanted to help cancer patients inspired by her mother's passing away from cancer. Aww. Yeah. Justin had just got a job as a financial analyst for a very large lumber company. The anniversary dinner was at Carrabba's, and later they took a walk along the beach. But the romantic evening ended there when a man on the beach pulled a gun on them and demanded money. April diverted his attention while Justin tried to grab the gun. Shots were fired, and that's the last thing Justin remembered. When he regained consciousness, he realized that he had been shot as well and was bleeding and found April face down in the water and unconscious. You're already shaking your head over there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He dragged April's body about 100 yards towards the car, but his wounds made it impossible to carry her up the flight of stairs. So he left her near the boardwalk and drove for help, flagged down a nearby motorist a few miles away. They called 911. An ambulance came and Justin told them April was still on the beach, but it was too late. April was dead from a single gunshot wound to her face. At the hospital, doctors treated Justin for four gunshot wounds. He survived, but was unable to provide a good description of the attacker, said it was too dark, etc., etc. At the beach, police didn't find much evidence, just impressions in the sand of Justin dragging April's body. Tides were rising, so soon nothing would even be left of the crime scene. When they looked at April's body, she had on an expensive ring, 
watch and earrings. So if it was a robbery, why wasn't any of that taken? Mm -hmm. At the autopsy, they also discovered foam around her mouth. The foam was due to the damage the salt water caused to the lining of the lung, and the blood from April's gunshot wound was on top of the foam. So this meant that April had almost drowned but survived and then was shot afterwards. Mm -hmm. She also had abrasions around her neck, and the autopsy findings differed from Justin's version of the incident. Eventually, Justin recovered from his wounds and provided a much better description of the assailant, good enough for police to create a sketch. The sketch resembled a local man, David Allen Shuey, who had previous arrests for sexual assault. Allegedly, he had committed an assault with a gun on the same beach April and Justin were shot. The victim got away and identified Shuey as her attacker, but he was living in Connecticut at the time, and that was validated that he was nowhere near the crime scene, so he was eliminated. So, next, they look into Justin's background. Justin claimed that they were happy and he had never had an affair. But police learned that Justin was having an affair with his tennis partner, Shannon Kennedy. They brought her in for questioning, and she admitted that everything was true. So Justin finally said, yes, it's true. So then they're like, well, what else is he lying about? Mm -hmm. April's friends all said that she was well aware of the affair and that she would tell anyone who would listen. She had already confronted him about it, and he had had as many as five affairs in the time of their three-year marriage, in fact. Which I just don't understand. If if you're having that many affairs and you've only been married for three years. Yeah. Like, what That's is a the, short time. Yeah. They call the first, like, you know, year, two, three years, like, still your honeymoon phase, right? How old were they? They were young. I know that. They weren't, like, super old. Like, early 20s? Yes, for sure. Well, then that, I guess, answers some of it. You're too immature to know. Yeah. Justin handed his computer over and forensics was done on it. They found emails confirming his affairs. They also found that he had downloaded a song that day by Guns N' Roses saying, I used to love her, but I had to kill her. She drove me nuts and now I'm happier this way. It was I used deleted. to love her, Do you know but this song? I had to kill her. Oh yeah, I love Guns N' Roses. I don't know this song. My son has a Guns N' Roses hoodie. Oh boy. Just saying. I'm a rock girl at heart. You know this. I know. I'm an R&B girl at heart. I don't think that's fair though. Like we, I watched a documentary. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but they used a song like this guy wrote on his MySpace TikTok of the clock is painful. I mean, they said that about like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, too. and it's like, no, that's just a song lyric. He, yeah. you, it's from Eve Six. Do you remember that song? Mm -hmm. And it was like, you guys are using this to try to prove something. Well, that song was deleted an hour before they got the computer. <laughs> this is funny to me, though. So, like, what was that? Like his, th th like his soundtrack. Right, and that's it. This is the one. <laughs> Guy, this guy seemed like a fucking narcissist to me, in my opinion, sure. after watching this show. Justin had also been trading stocks on the internet and not doing well. He was about fifty-eight dollars to $60,000 in debt. So to cover the losses, he borrowed money on his credit cards at a very <sighs> high interest rate. Mm -hmm. He was a finance major that was horrible with his own money. April owned a $2 million life insurance policy mm -hmm. that she had primarily bought to support her younger brother and sister in the event of her death, because remember, their mother passed away from cancer. But Justin was the sole beneficiary. Using an ultraviolet light, they examined the shirt Justin was wearing. There was gunshot residue that could have come with close contact, but the angles of the bullet wounds to Justin's body were another thing. One through his left hand, the other three shots directed away from vital organs and bones, a remarkable coincidence. Mm -hmm. Not consistent with a mugger or someone struggling with a gun. April's clothing had no blood on her from Justin at all, who claimed he dragged April's body after he had woken up from being shot. So if he was bleeding from that gunshot wound to his left hand, his blood had been transferred all over her. And there was nothing. Blood patterns on April show that she had not been moved after she had been shot. Finally, why didn't Justin use April's cell phone that was in her purse in the car? They think that it was because he had to get rid of the gun, which was unfortunately never recovered. They did discover one last piece of evidence on Justin's computer that in the weeks and months leading up to April's murder, Justin had searched various websites looking for information on blood loss and gunshot wounds to the right chest, which was where he was shot. Come on. Like I said, this guy was a narcissist. I really, like, all these affairs, all these women, like, I really, and even, like, he was a finance major, horrible with his own money. Like, I really mm -hmm. think that he felt like he was just... Invincible. Yes. I didn't like him at all. 
Prosecutors believe that when April learned of all the affairs and his financial problems, she wanted a divorce. She told her loved ones the marriage was failing and that she had tried various things to make it work, but it just wasn't improving. They believe Justin wanted that $2 million, so he researched how to shoot himself without serious injury and that everyone would believe his robbery story that way that he would be a hero for trying to save her and also a victim. They believed he originally planned to take her to the hospital himself already after he had shot her. Mm -hmm. So then he would be like the hero, Mm -hmm. right? But she would already be dead. They thought that over dinner, April told Justin she wanted a divorce and they went for the walk after to discuss how they could do so amicably. But April must have seen the gun or sensed something was amiss. Justin held her head underwater until she lost consciousness and then dragged her towards the car. He fired a single shot into her head. He then shot himself four times, carefully not to hit any organs, but the pain and the task of carrying her changed his plans, so he had to leave her body there. So that was where he was originally, they thought he was going to take her to the hospital after he shot her, but he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. He didn't really think the whole thing through. He got rid of the murder weapon and tried to think of a new plan. He drove past several houses before he flagged on the motorist, but claimed he didn't stop at any one of them because he didn't want to wake up an old man. (laughs) Okay. Right. In June of 2006, Justin Barber went on trial for the first-degree murder of his wife, April. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. I just think that if that was my husband and something had happened, you will do anything possible to get help. Yeah, absolutely. You would stop by anyone's house. You wouldn't care who it was. No, not at all. The investigators also said, sometimes I'll put like end notes when I'm finished, you know. Mm -hmm. The investigators also said he was a sociopath and a narcissist. Of course he's a sociopath. And then To be able to kill your wife and like be like, oh, I have four bullet wounds. None of them are life-threatening. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I researched this, but that's not a coincidence. And then in my notes, I put, he looks like an ugly 2000s Justin Timberlake. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this guy at all. And sometimes I watch my true crime shows and I get to drinking and I get so mad. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at this guy. I was like, ugh. And here we are again. If you need, if you want to get divorced, if you don't want to be married, if you're in debt, all of that's your fucking problem. Right. Your fucking problem. It does not give you the right to take someone else's life. Yes. You're not entitled to life insurance money because you fucked up. Right. It's it's bullshit. That's not what the life insurance money is for. No. But I have to tell you, so we've talked about the vow before, and I know at some point we should really talk about it, but you know, I told you that Keith Rainier grossed me out so much me too my husband constantly keeps making jokes all the time like oh what are you thinking about you thinking about keith with his ponytail playing volleyball all the time and like he grosses me out yes his freaking elbow and knee pads i mean get the fuck out of here with that (laughs) gross oh here i'll show you a picture of him Oh, God. But do you see how I said he looks like an ugly... Yes. He's got that, like, ramen noodle hair. Yes. And you can just... He just looks like a narcissist. I didn't like him at all. I get very angry watching these true crime episodes sometimes. I I feel like every time I get really angry... I get real riled up. Yeah. I think that's good. That means you have compassion. Yeah, absolutely. These poor... Usually it's women, but... You know, men too sometimes. Like when I was watching on Rachel, uh, and freaking John kept turning around and winking and laughing, I was like, You bastard! You know, like throwing shit at the TV. Yeah. I'm like, You're just, you're scum of the earth. Literally. You're a piece of shit. (sighs) And you know what? He deserved way fucking worse. You know what they should do with somebody like him? He should have to die the way that she died. Exactly. From. From start to beginning, from the, from punching her in the face, kicking her in the head, putting her in the duffel bag, like the whole entire fucking Watching thing. Watching his grave being dug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same with this guy. He should have had to die the same way his wife died. Yeah. That's justice. Yeah. Like, fuck these motherfuckers. Well, I even feel like for your guy, that's not even enough. That's not even enough. Yeah. No. That was your wife. You know, like, what a betrayal. Ugh. Over money. I'm getting all riled up again. Over money and getting his dick wet. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. Because he was a narcissist and unwilling to be in a monogamous relationship and then also realize he was actually fucking horrible with finances. (sighs) 
Gosh, all right. I need to decompress. So next episode is Hot Tub Stories. Mm-hmm. Send them in, blondemomentspodcast at gmail.com. I have a fun idea for another topic too. Okay. And it's stemming from one of the stories from one of our listeners, times you got caught having sex. Oh, yes. Whether it be by your parents, by by anyone. Yeah. And it could be a sexual act, you know, a hand job, a blow job, actually have sex, but just a time that you've been caught. I like it. So uh, we'll do hot tub, true crime, times you got caught. Yeah. So yeah, send them in. I'm ex- that, that's going to be a fun one. I always like the dirty ones. Those mm-hmm. are always my favorite. I feel like at least everybody has one time where you got caught, you know? <laughs> I caught with your pants down. So send them in to blondemomentspodcast at gmail.com or you can slide in our DMs. Yeah. We like that. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, have Gina give us our blonde joke and then we're going to listen to Smell Yo Dick and have some more <laughs> drinks, I think. Put it on repeat. Maybe we'll learn the dance moves. Oh, does she have a dance going She kind of did. Yeah. I like it. I'm I'm vibing now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this blonde joke this week is brought to you by one of our listeners, Shane Gibson. Thank you. Did you hear about the new blonde paint? Mm-mm. It's not real bright, but it's cheap and it spreads easy. <sighs> I've lost all respect for you now, Shane. <laughs> thank you for letting that in. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>